I'm Mel. I'm Dal. This is Crying Amazing Crazy. Cheers. We're starting to finish each other's sentences. sentences. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Hey, Woo. it's Tuesday night. We're in, in this time and space, but for you, who knows? <laughs> Could be any time. Sorry for the extended break, but the Dodgers happened. So we were a little caught up in the mania. Yeah. And then we lost. But that had a lot of crying involved. Yeah. <laughs> I would say. Poor guys. Totally. So, um, I did you see Ladybird? Not yet. It's so good. That's what everyone says. I love it because for me personally, I lived in Sacramento for ten years. While I didn't grow up there, mm-hmm. I went to college at UC Davis and then lived in the Sacramento area for a long time. So like it really made me nostalgic for Sacramento. It was the first time like I saw, I don't know, Sacramento was, it was like romanticized. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and also I'm around the same age as Greta Gerwig. I think she might be one year older than me or something. So, and the film takes place. Like I was the, that age during Mm. that time Mm -hmm. in high school. Right. And so uh, it really touched me in a lot of ways. And it got me thinking about and reminding me of just the emo, the emo-ness of... All the hormones. The hormones of... Teenage. Yes. And so how could we have a crying podcast without digging deep into those super meaningful... (laughs) Pivotal. Yeah, cry sashes in our bedrooms. Oh, man. What what kind of posters did you have on the walls of your bedroom? Literally every poster was Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I could have guessed that. Actually, I we're at Dell's house, and I'm using a Pearl Jam magazine as, like, my little lap desk yeah, right yeah. now. And um, we'll hear more about Pearl Jam. Oh, oh, I'm so excited. In this session. <laughs> okay, well, um, so I kind of, just in being inspired by Lady Bird, I oh. dipped into some of my journals and asked Del to see if she could find anything yeah. from her adolescence that she would be uh, brave enough to share during this episode. So, in a fit of embarrassment, in my 20s when I moved... I threw them all away because I read through a couple of pages and was just like mortified that I was so ridiculous and just, yeah, tore them up and threw them in the recycle bin. So I don't have anything, but I did find... Don't do that. PSA to everyone. Don't ever do that. Don't ever it's... save all of your writings because mm-hmm. you'll want it later. It's the excavation mm. is rewarding. Yeah. But I did find... An old school assignment that for some reason I kept from 1996. So Stell has in her hand a tiny little manila envelope. And what is inscribed on the envelope? It says, to my future child from your parent. Whoa. What a sexist assignment. <laughs> like, why do I have to have a future child? Am I your future child? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it should have been like, if you had an awesome teacher, they'd be like, write as your hetero life partner right. or your your pop when you have a podcast. Yeah, Because totally. I'm psychic and podcast. I know what that is. Yeah. So anyway, I threw mine all away and... 
I just couldn't, they're too embarrassing to keep, so. But I did, yeah, I did find this, so we can get into it, but why don't you? Oh, you want me to go first? I thought we were going to hear from yours. Okay, okay, I can go first, I can go first. Go, yeah, do yeah. it, let's do it. You've got the envelope. <laughs> Excuse me. I... So, yeah. First of all. <laughs> don't spill any wine on it. I know. It's, it's going to be it's worth money precious. someday. But before I get into what's in this packet, what I oh, did... It's a packet. <laughs> it's a whole packet. Um, what I did remember about, like, being a teenager and being angsty and, like, crying in my bedroom for, like, such stupid nonsense. Not even, like, boy-related. I just remember, like, listening to Pearl Jam... Here comes another Pearl Jam story. Mm-hmm. Listening to Pearl Jam and like reading all the Rolling Stone articles and any piece of media I can get my hands on and just like reading about all of like the political stuff they were doing mm-hmm. and just like feeling like scum for like sitting in my bedroom being a waste of space, you know, like totally emo. Like That's very mature of you to even have that <laughs> like, well, to just have that perspective, like what's wrong with me? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> It is mature. It's (laughs) mature. I think, too, because, you know, I wasn't, like, popular. So it's not like I was going to parties all the time. Yeah. So I think part of that was just, like, I'm home alone and I'm bored. So I'm just going to, like, wallow in self-pity and, like, contemplate. I have an existential crisis at age 13 of, like, what am I doing in this world? Oh, this was when you were 13? This Like, that era of me, like, like I just remember, okay. like, pining away. Like How old were you when you did this packet? This packet, so I was 16. Ooh, it's, God, that's oh, good. fucking Ooh. crazy. It's from uh, November 13th, 1996. Ooh. So, yeah, the assignment, I, to be fair, it was in a child development class, oh. so it kind of makes sense. Home economics? Or? Yeah, like, child did development. Did they have home ec at your school? Yeah, they did. Okay. Or maybe it was just cooking. Like, cooking and then this child development class and sewing. Like, they were all separated. Mm -hmm. So, child development, everyone wanted to be in it because at the end of the semester, after you've done everything you've learned, our school... I don't understand who these kids were because I would not drop my kids off at a, like, daycare run by high school kids. But that's what it was, essentially. So, we all learned all this stuff and then, you know, like, three-year-olds would come to school for two weeks and we would babysit them. So, like... That's actually... It was pretty seems cool. Seems pretty legit. So, like... Better than carrying around, like, an egg or whatever. Right. So, like, you know, we'd play games with them. So, it was just, like... It was a fun class that everyone wanted to be in because you got to play with little kids all day. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, part of our assignment into gearing up for that... Oh, shit. ...was writing this letter to our future child and... Oh, my God. That's, like, a million pages. <laughs> it is. So... Some of this was required, but the first piece of paper in here was my Dear Rock for Choice supporter. So, like, a campaign letter from the Rock for Choice campaign. Um, oh, like, Rock for Choice. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think I was saying? I thought you were saying Rock for Choice. So oh. I was like, I don't know is what that, that is. Is, is that, that a, a pro-choice, team? like, thing? Okay, Rock for Choice. Rock God, you're so choice. cool. <laughs> I don't know. I think it... Because, again, like, Pearl Jam played all these shows for Rock for Choice. Oh, um, man. So they got me involved in, like, the women's rights movement, mm-hmm. this all-male band from Seattle. So anyway, yeah, this was, a you know, a letter from them asking for money. And then all of these lists, like, you know, how to talk to 10-year-olds and how to talk to 5-year-olds and a bill of rights and wrongs for parents. And then my favorite, 10 ways 
to raise children to use drugs. <laughs> oh my God, please, it's please so read good. one of I those. I didn't write this. This is by okay. Leah Davies from 1996. I don't understand why this is to your child. I think it's like, <laughs> I'm supposed to open this packet and be like, oh, a parenting manual from the 90s. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Shout out to Mrs. Dole. Um, <laughs> and the first thing is, number one, obey their demands. Number two, overlook, defend, or rescue them from consequences. Number three, disregard moral principles. Number four, avoid touching, hugging, and taking time to interact with your child. So basically, like, you know, to, be an asshole and your kid's going to do sarcastic. drugs. <laughs> it totally is. So, yeah, this was... That could be a BuzzFeed list yeah, today. Totally. Or like a BuzzFeed list of like... What's wrong with millennials? But <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh my god. Sorry, millennials. I'm Gen X. <clears throat> um, I don't. I'm like. I don't feel I fit in on either of those. There's something I must, in the middle. Yeah. I forget what it's called, but there's like Gen a, Y. There's like know. a term. Um, so anyway, I'm not gonna read a whole lot of it because it's pretty Highlights. judgmental. <laughs> but I will say this. This like this sentence right here or this part will go to show that this is why I was pining away in my bedroom on Saturday nights. Um, so um, my life is pretty boring. My best friend is my mom. I can be myself around her without feeling totally dumb. We do everything together. Please don't think I'm dumb. I do have lots of other friends that I have fun with, but she is who I can be myself around. And basically this letter to my future child is a love letter to my mom, like throughout. That's so sweet. You have about, to show that to your mom. I know. She's probably crying right now. Yeah. She's hearing Hi, this. Hi, Sally. Um, but you know, like as a parent, I will raise you to be a working member of society. You will learn to be hate free. I don't know what that says. I and will name you people, Melanie. <laughs> and that all people are equal. Like, anyway, it's very like, military like you will do this you will do that so that's so cool i picture you in doc martens and then there's like a pearl jam stick figure drawn on it and a rock for choice thing and like another feminist logo (laughs) it's like so like fuck yeah it's the 90s and i'm a badass feminist this is why i have no friends because everyone's (laughs) afraid of me but um and then additionally for extra credit you could have your parent write a letter to their future grandchild which is also really sad because now I feel like a terrible daughter not giving my mom <laughs> what she so desperately <laughs> wants. But her letter is also about me. And it's like, dear baby, when your mom was born, she came out smoking a cigar and asking who decided it was time for her to be born. This is my first hint of what was to come. She is and always will be so independent. I admire this part of your mom, and it goes on and on and on about how I'm amazing. So basically, this assignment was just me and my mom, like, writing love letters to each other. that's actually Brad. So it kind of did make me cry, and I haven't looked at this in 10-plus years, so... Um, yeah, that was, that was really fun exercise oh to my go gosh. through this. I love but, that. Yeah. Anyway, that's my bit. <laughs> that's cool. That means that, that kind of like <laughs> lends itself to, I wasn't, this isn't really like me being emo and crying. Well, it's kind <laughs> of emo, but it's so funny just how like, 
I no words can describe this journal <laughs> entry. So I found um, my journal that was basically junior high through maybe like sophomore year of high school. Oh, that's a good age. Yeah, it's of. really pretty gnarly. And I thought that a lot of it would be me crying over boys and stuff. Right. But it's actually mostly me being upset about, like, other girls being mean to oh, me or wow. um, feeling left out, like, oh. three's a crowd type of a situation. Oh, that's so Seemed to be a th- common theme. This is not related to any of those themes, but... It's just me being a liberal snowflake. Yeah. (laughs) This journal entry is... Okay, I have to read it because it's hilarious. In France, people have tomato festivals where billions of tomatoes are thrown into a pit where people (laughs) wrestle and play in it. Children and families starve at the same time and probably will never even live to to even see a tomato. (laughs) It goes on. Teenagers complain that they hate their parents, while orphans and children whose parents are dead cry in loneliness. <laughs> People talk about how ugly their houses are as a homeless man envies the dog sitting wow, in a new doghouse. You're so deep. <laughs> People throw away pennies, and others die because they don't have enough pennies. <laughs> On Christmas, a girl complains that seven gifts just isn't enough. Other kids don't even get one gift and are happy on the outside, but crying on the inside. Melon, or I'm not going to read my whole name. (laughs) (laughs) I signed it. I signed every single entry with my full name. Wait, did you just see the episode of Real World or Road Rules where they were in the tomato Festival, Dude, is that perhaps. Where I set that off? This is from 2001. So oh, I that was, was after. That this was is 2000. After. Actually, this is on 010101. And <laughs> introspective New Year's plans. The title of this entry is Fame and Fortune. Uh, you titled it. <laughs> Disgusted by famous people and I don't know. I people it. not having perspective. Yeah. Um, Rude. All right, so let's see. What else do we have here? Yeah, like I said, a lot of them were me being sad because, because like, friends that I had, like, found somebody cooler than me and Aww. were spending more time with them. And I don't know if this happened to you ever, but, like, sometimes girls... I still girls, feel that way. Yeah, I, get, I totally get that way, too. Yeah. And, um, but I remember girls would... I would cry and cry over that kind of stuff. And I remember people would call like remember when people would do three-way calling and then like they'd be like oh mel let's let's call so and so and let's see if she says anything about you yeah yeah and i'm like i'm like okay yeah i bet she won't say anything mean about me and then like a a friend of mine would say something really mean that's awful yeah i remember taking part in that mean behavior Okay, here's, and I wrote a lot of really, really bad poetry. Yes. This one is, okay, I'll read two quick poems because they're kind of funny but and sad. So this one's called Rumors, <gasps> 1998, so junior high for me. Whoa. Walking down the hall, I saw you in a different way. I liked you, but this was on another day. <laughs> Today, walking down the hall, I see you, and I am mad. You lied, which made me sad. Aww. You took things for granite, granted, but I spelt it like granite, like granite rock. <laughs> you took things for granted. I cannot stand it. 
Why did you say those things about me when you know they are not true? Now I hate you like everyone else. That's how they felt. I should have listened to you. Ra- I should have listened to them rather than you. Don't say it unless you know it's true. Do you remember who that was about? Yeah, because I Aww. wrote fucking Dustin. <laughs> Fucking Dustin. That's what I wrote. This is about a boy being mean. This is also about a boy being mean. It's entitled Cruelty. A kid named... This is... Yeah, I remember this guy. (laughs) He made fun of me on the bus. I remember. It made me feel stupid. And I also looked like way younger for my age. Mm. So I think like I just was like this little kid, you know? Easy Easy target. Yeah. So this says, a kid named Danny one day made fun of me and made me cry. He made me feel worthless. I wanted to die. Now I look out the window and see such a fool because Danny, now 40, is cleaning my pool. Oh, snap. Does Danny come clean your pool now? I don't know. I don't know what happened to that guy. (laughs) Yeah. So those are kind of like some crazy ones. It's really trippy looking at all this stuff. It's just funny to like... Think back to those times and how, like, desperate and um, sentimental and, I don't know, just being a young girl. Mm-hmm. It's just so, yeah, interesting. It is. It's We're in our heads. We're still in our heads. Yeah, exactly. It's like the preview to the rest of your life. <laughs> I know. Ugh, okay. <laughs> All right. We did it. We did it. We shared we without... bore our souls. <laughs> And hope you're not bored. Yeah, sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Bad poetry written by a 13-year-old. Actually, I feel like it's really good. I still don't know how to write poetry that rhymes, so. Shall we talk about things that made us cry this week? Yeah. As so. adults. As adults, now. With less posters on our wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, if Edgar would let me, I would still have pictures of Eddie Vedder hanging up everywhere. Because he's a babe. But He is a babe. He won't let me, so. One thing that made me cry this week or since we last spoke was just this moment for women. Clearly, like, this, I'm not talking about any huge victory by any means, but just kind of a small moment in the anniversary of, you know, the resistance and the the founding of the Women's March. Um, All of these sexual harassment cases and things that are coming to the light of day were people are starting to listen and believe to women, believe women, like something's going to come out of that. So, and you know, the, this small election victories that we just had, there's still, you know, it's a moment of victory. Like I celebrated for a day, but you know, there's still a lot to be done, but I woke up crying to all the Instagram posts that morning, you know, like all of the women of, the women and all of the people of color and the trans women and the Sikh mayor that was elected. So it was just like very exciting to see this small glimmer of hope in the long haul. It was the the one year anniversary of the Women's March. And so they posted this song of them singing this civil rights song, Ain't Gonna Let Nobody Turn Me Round. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I love that. I loved it so much. It was just like was I like, like how you can see like kids in the background. Yes, too. and like all kinds of women, and it was just. Yeah, just like this moment in the morning where like, okay, I've been fighting for a whole year and I am going to go mad. But this like little, you know, just this little glimmer of like, we're still marching, we're still walking, we're still talking. So anyway, that made me cry this week. Like as I'm waking up, scrolling through Instagram, like immediate tears. So that's awesome. That was good. I think, yeah, and mine was based off of that too, actually, just specifically, um, Danica Rome, who's the first openly transgender person to be elected to the state legislature. Mm -hmm. Did you watch that video that Broadly did? So they did a documentary called, this is how we win. And it's just like, it's like the, the election day. It follows her along on the election day and stuff. Um, so just a little bit, I'm sure a lot of people listening know who Danica Rome is by now, but she's 33 years old. She's a stepmom and she now represents the uh, district 13 in Northern Virginia, which was an area that was controlled for over two decades by Republican Bob Marshall, who is very Mm anti-LGBT and basically why Danica won and not Bob Marshall in a nutshell, besides people coming to their senses. I mean, to be honest, people going and voting, actually people going and voting, but her campaign in particular was she straight up focused on policy. Mm. It wasn't even, even though her being elected is this historic victory. Right. And obviously just her being visible Mm -hmm. was meaningful in itself. And it wasn't like the only thing she talked about. It was, she was like talking about route, uh, route 28, their highway. Mm. And she was talking about education and his campaign totally focused on her gender and her being trans and her being trans. Yeah. And so by the way, he's the one that wrote the anti-bathroom bill. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) even better. Yeah. It's even more just sweet. Yeah, it just makes it feel even more wonderful that she won. But there were so many things that she said throughout the video that were really great. She said, don't tell me why I can't succeed. Tell me what obstacles are in my way that I must overcome in order to succeed. And she also talked a little bit about how the only trans people she saw when she was growing up were on Jerry Springer, Jenny Jones. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so how meaningful it is that she's out there, like, doing something, Mm -hmm. like, a real person and not a caricature or, like, somebody who's not the best role model, perhaps. And the thing that was the most tear-jerking, because the whole thing is very inspiring, was... This mom talking up and with her 10 year old trans daughter, mm-hmm. she brought her daughter to the like victory celebration oh, wow. and told her story. And she kept telling me that there was nobody like her and she was too different. Nobody would ever understand her. And uh, there was this article about Danica. I remember thinking there's hope in this and she had to see it. Yeah. And I showed her the article, and she read it probably three times. Mm. And her jaw just kept dropping. <laughs> and she looked up at me when she was finally done with this smile on her face that I had not seen in months. And she said, she's just like me. And I said, she's just like you. She said, how does she do it? 
how did she put herself out there in front of everybody and do that? And I said, because she knows who she is. And she said, if Danica can do that, I can do that. And so now that's her motto, that's her catchphrase. It's if Danica can oh do that, God. I can do so that. Beautiful. And from that point on, she's been dreaming of being the next Danica. She gave us so much hope. I mean, it sounds like she really changed her life. She gave me my daughter back. That's amazing because first of all, representation matters. Representation matters. Yes. Like oh. I said, that's why it just all keeps going back to visibility. Like, it's so important. And I love that mom so much. Like, if you're lucky, your mom supports you. And just, that's just amazing. And what she had said was that her daughter, you know, before she heard about Danica, she decided to present herself at school <clears throat> as a girl, you <clears throat> know, and got the crap oh, kicked sure. out of her. And so... She was in a down in the dumps yeah. big time and like was actually like attempted like Suicidal. suicide yeah. and she's 10 years old. That's insane. And but then her and then her mom saw mm. this article about Danica and showed it to her and that's what you hear in that clip but That's amazing. Yeah, so that I would recommend anyone to watch that documentary. It's probably about maybe 15 minutes or something. Oh, okay. It's like short. Maybe yeah, yeah, or yeah. it might be like 20 minutes or so, but whatever. It's yeah. really really good. I was I'm just, so inspired. I'm just inspired and blown away at like in a year, all of these people just stepped up and were like, all of these women have stepped up and been like, fuck this. Like, right, I she can't. has no political experience. Right. She was her background is in journalism. She yeah. was like covered um, policy, local mm-hmm. policy and right. state politics for it's incredible for a very long time. Yeah. Um, there's another woman who's running. Ugh, I don't know any details. I don't know her name. I don't know where she's running, but she was on Chelsea Handler's latest episode and Chelsea was endorsing her. She is ex-military. So she's a vet running for office because um, there's now like way less vets than there's ever been um, in office. And so, oh, wow. and her, hu- she's Democrat running and her husband's Republican and her message is again, like policy, like let's talk as people, mm-hmm. like my husband and I don't agree on things, but we still love each other and are married and have this life. And mm-hmm. so anyway, I was really inspired by her too. That just reminded me of that. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't know her name though. Sorry. <laughs> so I don't really want to talk about like specifically my work or my job, mm-hmm. but I do work with youth. And there is one girl that I, I've known her now for like four years. She's in ninth grade. And so So I've seen her, you know, grow up quite a bit Uh just in these past four years. And she, she gets bullied at school a lot. She's very small for her age and stuff like that. You identify. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, she's with her, her mom's a single mom, et cetera, et cetera. But she, I'm just so inspired at her courage and strength. Mm -hmm. And I recently, I was at an event where she was, where she was speaking in front of a large audience. And you know, that was me. I was like, you're going to go up there and do this, you know? And she was fumbling a lot. Sure. But uh, cause there was like a teleprompter situation and she was kind of messing up, you know, but I talked to her afterwards and she was totally like fine fine wow. and she said she had met another uh, another woman who gave her some advice recently cuz this girl this 
this young girl, she asked this woman, how do you handle setbacks? Mm. And which is like, great yeah, question. <laughs> I would not even think to ask that so, now. <laughs> yeah. She was interviewing a woman who was established in her career. And she said, how do you handle setbacks? And the woman told her, well, a lot of people see setbacks as negative things, but mm-hmm. to me, they're way more important than successes because sure. that's where you actually learn and that's where yeah. you grow. And mm-hmm. they're like, you should want to experience yeah, setbacks yeah. in life. And so it was neat because she brought that up and mentioned that to me, like Aww. after she got off stage that yeah. she said, you know, it's like, I just let it roll off my back. Like, cause she was speaking in front of like 500 plus oh my adults. Yeah. And she just was like, I just let it roll off my back. And she's like, you know what? Because I know that now I know how to read a teleprompter yeah. and Aww. I know she was like, I know someday I'm going to be in front of an uh, even bigger audience and I'm going to, I love that. Yeah. So I was so proud Aww. because she's really had a rough year yeah, and just yeah. to see that confidence. That's and to amazing. See, mm-hmm, I was really, really proud. Aww. So that was one thing that made me, I was like, while well, she's telling me this, I'm like totally. trying not to cry. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really Aww, sweet. It was awesome. a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, another work related one actually too. Uh huh. I had to do research on this dance company called Diavolo Architecture in Motion. Ooh. And they're a dance company based in LA and they they this artist builds these giant props and sets and they like dance on them and they like move and it's really cool. So Diavolo, look them up. But they have this whole project called the Veterans Project and they've been doing it for a few years now um, where they um, reach out to vets in the community and work with doctors that are dealing with vets and PTSD and they come in and they and they go through this whole process of choreographing um, a, a movement and and just like using dance to heal PTSD. This is the first time I have truly felt at peace since I returned from Iraq. It's just therapy, honestly, and it's a way to help and heal others. There is such synergy uh, with Diavolo working with the vet community because they embody a lot of the same positive uh, human interactions that are needed uh, when you're in the military. That's really neat because I feel like people, well, one, let's state the obvious. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times when people think of military, they think of right. it being super masculine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to see like somebody engaging in art right. in a vulnerable way like that. Yeah. And like these, a tough, a right, tough guy. Like, like a, a vet, like a Navy guy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty incredible and moving. And I never... I've never heard of a PTSD program that involved con- contemporary dance. <laughs> yeah, it was so, yeah, I was like, the, this is like the only time I've ever sobbed in my office because I was so moved by like what I was doing. You can see like the army in them or, you know, the military. The strength. Yeah, the strength in the military in them and just like coming together as a team in this movement and just, you know, lifting each other up. And it's really powerful and um They'll be coming to L.A. I mean, they're based in L.A., but wow. they appear so a lot. So Diavolo? Diavolo, yeah, Architecture in Motion. I just thought that was a really cool project because um, what I do at work is a lot of the arts, and sometimes I just feel like in this era of my life, like, wh- like fuck the arts. Like, who cares right now? Like, there's so many bigger things, like, that I need to worry about or that society needs to worry about. Like, art is just frivolous. Like, that's how I feel some days when everything's dark, but... Then I like see a project like this and I'm like, this is why this matters so much right now, especially because for a lot of people, it's the only outlet. So 
Yeah. Yay, the arts. Go arts. These were good. I feel like last last episode, everything was really kind of like super sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, this was good. They uplifting. were all like, <laughs> uplifting tears. Yay. Yay. Things are happening. <laughs> so speaking of teenage angst. <laughs> oh my gosh. Michael Stipe. Michael Stein. Those baby blues, man. He Those was so, so cute. cute in that video. So anyway. <laughs> in case you're wondering, um, if you didn't listen to the opening of this and figure out what song we're going to talk about. If you're a first-time listener, you're stupid. You should you should have listened to the you first two episodes. Get like, on board, what people. The fuck? Get what on the board. Fuck? But we'll forgive you and explain. Every episode, we decide to feature a song that's about crying or is super... Sentimental. Yes. We decided to do R.E.M. Everybody Hurts. Everybody does hurt. And everybody cries. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) This is our (laughs) William Shatner. Everybody cries. Sometimes. R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts came out in 1992 on Automatic for the People. The video played again nonstop. Dude, the video is really good. I was just going to say, I feel like that song and that video can still make me cry, like, if I want it to. Like, yeah, I, I, I was... actually, I I fully actually did. did. Yes, That's because awesome. the part with... I mean, dude, the part yeah. when he gets out of the car and fucking stands yeah. on the car. And just like the the rush of the music. Yeah, so climactic and awesome. If you've mm-hmm. never watched the video, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. But just to explain, uh, it is R.E.M. A baby, a ba- a baby Michael Stipe baby, being really cute. Gorgeous little baby blue eyes. Um, Mikey S. is in a car stuck in traffic. It's just complete stop traffic mm-hmm. and everyone's sitting in their cars and the, the camera pans to all the different people in their cars. And as the music, as the mm-hmm. music is going in the music video, there's subtitles at the bottom. That's right. basically saying what each person is thinking or feeling. Right, right. So, you know, it's pretty like direct and it's yeah. like, <laughs> and actually, um, I, don't, I don't know if you read this, but, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Buck, Peter Buck, Peter, is that his first name? Billy Buck, Peter Buck. Oh, the guitarist? Yeah. I think it's Peter Buck, yeah. Yeah, so Peter Buck wrote that the reason the lyrics are so atypically straightforward is because the song was aimed at teenagers. What a, just wrap it up crazy. That's beautiful. Did you do that on purpose? I actually didn't. I was like patting myself on the back for the theme the yeah. running theme of today's episode. Right. I think the whole thing with the video is like basically just showing that ev- like we all feel pain. Yes, we all feel pain and also it kind of gives you some perspective too because a lot of times I feel really alone in my car and sure. especially when you're like stuck in like an hour long like living in LA yeah. sitting in the traffic forever you feel kind of alone and then it's like it's Ugh. easy to forget that you're yeah, literally yeah. sitting in a crowd of like hundreds upon right, hundreds right. of people. Who are also sitting alone in their cars. Right, which is like most of the problem. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I 
think I'm hilarious when I'm sitting in like freeway traffic. I, when I had the CD in my car, I used to love to put that song on and just like blast it. So like <laughs> everyone would like, you guys remember? Yeah. Like this is fun. That's so cool. I don't do that. I should. Well, you should because it's I feel kind of amazing. <laughs> like people probably do that now, but with La La Land or something. Oh, La La Land sure, ripped some... off this video. Yeah, the freeway mm-hmm. traffic scene for sure. Yes. They just didn't have shitty dancing. Yeah. Yeah, so it was filmed in... I thought it was filmed in L.A. So did I. I thought it was the 110, like, underneath the 110 when you're heading yes, toward Long Beach. totally. I yeah, thought that's like where it was. downtown kind of? But it was in downtown San Antonio, Texas, so... Mm-hmm. Suck it, L.A. traffic. But, yeah, and then at the end, like, everybody get out of their cars and they walk with him. And and then there's, like, a stupid news report that's oh, like, yeah. oh, my God, everyone got, away. Everyone, just 300 or 400 people just got out of their car <laughs> and they disappeared. I think they should do, R.E.M. should, like, record another song and then, like, have all the people appear. Come back. That yeah, like, we're back. But yeah, and then I read that the video was heavily inspired by the traffic jam in the opening dream sequence of Fellini's Eight and a Half, oh. who I love. Like, I, I don't know if you had the Fellini moment when you were into, like, his two famous movies. Well, I took Italian cinema in mm, college. Okay, yeah. So, so this was college when I was, I was like... To- to do that like obsessed with Fellini's eight and a half and La Dolce Vita like everyone and like every time I see somebody dance in a fountain now I'm just like you're so derivative get out of stop there stop dancing wait I thought <laughs> I thought everyone was derivative of friends <laughs> that's that's the one yeah. anytime you see someone dancing in a fountain it all goes back to friends <laughs> yeah you're so derivative of friends <laughs> So yeah. what was your favorite? So out of all the little, uh, oh, the vignettes of people. Yeah, which did you have a favorite, or can you remember? I I can't remember what the subtitle is. I wish I wrote it down. Maybe you have it. But um, the woman in the blue, where she's like, no one can see me. Yeah, that's, everyone can see. That me. is that is what it said. <laughs> yeah, that one was badass. I love. I her. also got. I thought the one was really sweet with the old man that was and like, she's stupid, gone. And the oh, that one's sad. Yeah. And I an love, old man missing his wife or something. Yeah. I love the funeral. old man who was singing along in his car and that little kid who was like, shut, shut up, up, please, shut, please, shut up, shut up. I was like, yeah. you shut that's up. That's not something to cry about. Get yeah. over yourself. Also, I probably did that when I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, mom. Shut up, mom. <laughs> uh, let's see. What other were cool things about this? Well, the director is Jake Scott, uh, who is actually the Ridley son of Scott. Ridley Scott. Yeah. I just Ryan saw Gosling Blade Runner. Connection. Did you see the new Blade no. Runner? I need to see the other one again because I... The new Blade Runner was, I thought, pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I only saw... I mean, I saw the first one, but I was really drunk on martinis so like mm, it's all fuzzy yeah, yeah i gotta see count. i gotta start over but okay now revealed the big reveal for dell why <laughs> i was singing Soundgarden when i got here was because <laughs> because i found out that jake scott directed fell on black days oh. and so i was like oh that song's really good and i was listening yeah. to it and then i was listening to more Soundgarden in my car <sighs> so that's why today is the one year anniversary of me seeing the last Temple of the Dog show in L.A. It was one year ago today when Chris Cornell was alive, you guys. That is really sad. We didn't start this podcast soon enough, but, like, the week Chris Cornell died, I cried, like, all day every A day. A baby. Yeah, it was dumb, but whatever. I well, I did not cry. <laughs> <laughs> but I... <laughs> Spoiler alert, I didn't cry. Speaking but... of suicides, I guess... 
Um, fuck. Were you going to say that? No, I just, that's such a, speaking of suicide. <laughs> you know, like my transition. Yeah, great transition. Go, what is it? The drummer, Bill Berry, wanted to make the song. Who wrote the song? Who wrote the song. He said it was an anti-suicide song. He wanted to reach out to people who felt they had no hope. So I thought that was pretty great, like, as a, an adult-ish person writing this song, like, for teenagers who feel alone, like, as an anti-suicide song. Yeah. And he also, they used a drum machine for this song. Yeah, he, he didn't even, even play drums. Yeah, well. So maybe he was like, just then, kill me. Yeah, video, yeah, yeah. video killed the radio star. <laughs> and then I didn't even know that bassist John Paul Jones was still alive then. Is that real? Yeah, Led Zeppelin bassist. Like, did the string arrangements for the mm-hmm. song. And I read that. And gorgeous, I was like, gorgeous. I was like, he's alive? Like, what are you even talking about? So. <laughs> yeah, he was. And uh, he's the old man who misses his wife in the video. That was oh. him. No, it's not. I'm just oh. completely lying. <laughs> well, another fun fact. So Nevada, I guess, apparently has a high rate of teen suicide. And the Nevada legislature commended R.E.M. for, quote, encouraging the prevention of teen suicides. So noting that this song was a great example. Dude. Fuck the Grammys. It's about yeah. being recognized by, by Nevada. <laughs> by Nevada legislature. Where you're not even from. Like, <laughs> dude, that's when you know you've made it. For yeah. real. I'm uh, like, how crazy you like to be Michael Stipe and people are like, your song saved my life or any of the other guys. Yeah. This Aww. band could save your life. Uh, oh, other videos that this director has made include, like I said, Fell on Black Days. Also... Lightning crashes. Oh my god, I forgot about live. Yeah. Which <gasps> everyone made fun of me, but I really Dude, liked me live. too. I love With his that stupid album. ass hair, his yes. like fucking braid or whatever. <laughs> his bald head and his braid. My favorite song on the album was Shit Town. <laughs> gotta live, gotta live, gotta live in shit town. Gotta live, gotta live, gotta live in my so town. So <laughs> good. Uh, Jake Scott also directed Disarm by Smashing Pumpkins, black and white video. Um, And then also, do you remember that song, Mother, Mother by Tracy Bonham? Yes. Mother, mother. mother. Everything's fine. (laughs) Okay. I have a weird thing about that song because I'm, and I almost, it was like triggering watching the music video because... One time I had like this weird, like, did you ever have like a really high fever? Have you ever had a really oh, high fever yeah. where you fever kind of, dreams? Yeah. Yes. Or you're like up and at it. You're like walking around, but like fucking just at, like yeah, hallucinating yeah. because you're having such a gnarly fever. Yeah. So I had that situation what? when I was like walking around my house and like the TV was just on. And for some reason that music video was on and it, like oh. terrified me what? for some Why? reason. I don't know because like Cause probably because it's fucking annoying. Yeah. Like I don't know because she's just like yelling and it's just annoying. And I remember the TV like I don't know. So I tried to watch the video again and it was completely <laughs> triggering. It was straight up triggering. I was like I can't watch Whoa, this. Oh yeah. now I'm gonna go out and watch it. So that was weird. Look at uh, Bonham. And then lastly, you know. I don't know if you saw this, but it's so fitting. This song, so the British version of ASCAP, you know what ASCAP is, right? Yeah. Uh, is PRS for music. And 
they did this thing where they listed songs most likely to have a grown man cry. This was the number one on that list no to make way. a grown man cry. I believe it. I totally believe it. Guess what other songs were on that list? I only have no two other a ones. A man, a mm-hmm. grown man. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, fucking this cats, was... cats in the Gradle. No. <laughs> one of them we could probably do, although I don't think I would want to do because I actually this this song. <laughs> That's on this list. It always reminds me of being a freshman in college mm. and like having some kid like fucking trying to learn how to play the guitar. Oh Jesus! And what just is it? playing it because my room was across from the laundry mat, and so this kid would just like play the same two songs over and over again. Uh. Do 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 What is that? If I saw you in heaven. Oh God, he was tears to get in heaven. Laid. Yeah, so that was on. That was on the list. I guess. Yeah. Whoever I mean, cries to that, like... I don't think I've ever cried get to that out song. Of here. <laughs> and then... Just get out. You're done. And then the other one, this one for sure, like, makes me cry when I hear it. Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember after Hillary lost and Kate McKinnon sang that song, Dressed as Hillary? Yeah, that I was fucking so... lost it. That was so... That song, man. That's yeah. So good. That was... R.I.P. Leonard. Such a good song. Well, and also, uh, what's his name? Jeff Buckley. Oh, right. Right, like, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, pretty insanely awesome. So I think that's a good way. The A song that makes grown men cry. Woo! And grown women. Because Michael crying. Stipe. Crying from his hotness. He's a baby. Cute baby. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And keep crying. Keep crying. Another cheers. <laughs>